Morning. Thank you, Roy, and uh, thank you for your prayers. Well, this is welcome to week two of our alternative Sunday surgery, whenever together we're going to be exploring and considering the state of the heart, which is the title of, of this new series. And we're inviting God to search us and to know our hearts at Psalm 139, 23. And in a sense, what I'm asking you to do uh, and, and this maybe sounds a bit graphic, is I'm asking you to rip your heart out and hold it up to the light in order to check its condition. Because the reason this is so important, and I said this last week, is that the state of in here actually dictates and determines how we live. And so Proverbs 4:23, you'll remember, makes this clear. Above all else... Guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. And as I said last week, this is my life verse. And in subsequent weeks, I'll I'll unpack that verse and also the few verses that run after it and explain why. Because our hearts influence our thought life, influence our attitudes, influence our behavior, influence the words we speak, influence our motives. Do you know, as we look around us this morning, we see externals. We see what each other is wearing. I know some of you are thinking, why is he wearing a powder blue v-neck? Okay? But we see externals. We see the style or lack thereof. We see the hairstyles. We see the piercings. We maybe even see the tattoos. Okay? Now some of you are like, who has got a tattoo? Right? But the thing is this. As God meets with us in this place, he is not so much interested in our outward appearance as he is with the internal condition of our hearts. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 makes that so clear. And incidentally, during this series, there will be some mornings whenever we unpack a certain biblical text, whereas there will be other mornings whenever we're going to take a much more thematic approach. So there will be references to various parts of Scripture rather than a specific Bible reading, and this is one of those mornings. But last week we started by saying that we all need to undergo a heart transplant, that we need to receive a brand new heart. And for the next 20 minutes or so, I want to consider one heart condition that God longs for, that he looks for, and that he delights to find within every Christ follower, every Christian. It's a critical heart condition, and it's run right through the theme of our service this morning. But it's critical for authentic Christian living. Something that I know many of you are passionate about. And that is humility. That one of the key characteristics of every Christian in this church, of every Christian in this community, needs to be that they are the owners of a humble heart. But what is humility? What do you think for a moment? How would you define humility how would you finish the sentence humility is what is it what comes to mind what do you immediately think of we probably all have different ideas different definitions but someone has helpfully said this and I like it humility is a done thing it's not a defined thing you see you know humility whenever you see it It's whenever someone is more interested in you 
than they are in themselves. It's whenever someone rolls up their sleeves and serves another human being just because and for no other motive or hidden agenda. It's whenever an accomplished pianist stops to encourage a beginner as they struggle their way through a grade one piece and they offer encouragement. It's whenever someone admits that they got it wrong. That's humility. It's easier to depict than it is to define. But being humble is anything but easy. Especially whenever you live in a culture that encourages us to become specialists in the art of self-promotion. And yet for Christians who are called to be different, who are called to be counter-cultural, this is an absolute core virtue that must be seen, must be seen in our day-to-day lives if we are going to reflect Jesus. And again, reflecting Jesus is central to the Christian faith. Those who say they live in God, those who claim to live in God, must live their lives as Jesus did or must walk as Christ walked. And Jesus had a humble heart. Come to me, all of you who are weary and you're burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And those are a really interesting couple of verses because apparently this may be the only record in Scripture of Jesus actually making a moral statement about his character. Something to think about, take away and and, and consider. The only time Jesus makes a moral statement about his character. And having a humble heart is having a Christ-like heart. And that's why this virtue, this characteristic, this heart condition is So important for any of us who are here in this building this morning who claim to live in God, which I reckon is probably the majority of us. But if we do, then we must reflect a Christ-like heart. If we're going to be Jesus to every man, woman and child, then humility is essential, as Augustine said, for those who would learn God's ways. Humility is the first thing. Humility is the second thing. And humility is the third thing. But what's the alternative to a humble heart? It's a proud heart. And we all know just how unchristian and how unattractive pride is in a human being. Someone once said that pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick except the person who has it. And it's so true. And you know, God isn't exactly neutral in this one. I find these words quite searching. Proverbs 16.5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Psalm 101.5, he who has a proud and an arrogant heart, I cannot and I will not tolerate. So this is serious. But where do we go from here? I mean, do we hope that somehow God will make us humble? Is it only for certain personality types, humility? Is humility something that you can pursue? Well, as we, all, well, as we said last week, we all need a renovation of the heart. And ultimately, a renovation of the heart is a God thing. But as is so often the case, we have a huge amount of personal responsibility in this. This is not about sitting back and waiting for it to happen. We are invited to ask to 
And actually, I want to suggest that we are commanded to play our part. Zephaniah 2, 3 says, Seek righteousness, seek humility, and perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. This is something to pursue. Colossians 3, 12, very well-known passage of Scripture. Clothe yourselves with humility. It's got to be something you wear. It's got to be something you choose to put on. And then whenever Jesus was teaching about these issues in the Gospels, which he did on more than one occasion, he said, those who exalt themselves, well, they'll be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. So somehow we must learn, and how hard is this? We must learn, what does it mean to humble ourselves? What does it mean to humble ourselves? And back to the example of Jesus and that incredible early Christian hymn that Roy has showed us a number of times on the screen that says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who humbled himself. And the extent of the humbling, as we have considered this morning, was extreme because he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus gave up his very life for others so the stakes in this are high so god instructs us to seek humility the new testament advises us clothe yourselves with this christian virtue and then jesus teaches that those who humble themselves will be exalted in god's kingdom but how do we do that because i want this to be practical how do we actually go about doing this and as we leave here this morning how do we walk this out in everyday life Because I'll guarantee that we all accept the theory. We all accept the value of humility. We say, yes, this is a Christian value. And pride and arrogance is offensive. But what does it actually look like whenever you leave here? What does it look like this time tomorrow? What does it look like in the rest of the week? Well, let me suggest two ways that we need to do this or how we can do this. How to humble ourselves, to seek it, and clothe ourselves with it. First, true humility comes from seeing myself as God sees me. You know, despite what some people think, humility is not about putting ourselves down. It's not about having a poor self-image. I mean, low self-esteem is a big enough problem for lots of people in our society without it being encouraged to some pathway to humility. Too many people, and possibly many here, underestimate their value. And often that happens whenever you look around you at others. And you compare yourself. And you beat yourself up. Because you're not as good as them. And so as someone who who has still a huge heart for young people... One of the things that breaks my heart is the number of young people who hate themselves. And so we need to to deal with that issue, but we do not need to encourage this idea that we're down on ourselves as some pathway to humility. But on the flip side, there's plenty of people who overestimate themselves. And the Bible's pretty direct on those who go on an ego trip. Do not think of yourselves... More highly than you ought, says Paul to the church in Rome. And I'll guarantee we all know our fair share of people who are full of themselves. 
And in the pursuit of true humility, what we actually need is an honest evaluation of who we are, a God evaluation, a Bible perspective. And so part of this journey in humbling ourselves involves being absolutely clear on what God via his word has said about us. Not what other people think about us, not what other people have even said about us, but what does God say about us? And I know we could take forever on this and there's so much we could say and so much I will not say that I maybe should say. But you know, with this issue comes a tension. And the tension is this, because on one hand... I am a messed up, screwed up, sinful human being who deserves death and hell. Whereas on the other hand, I am a child of God. I am a saint who's received life and heaven. And if I read Romans 7, and if you do, you will not be left with a great view of yourself. After reflecting on himself, the Apostle Paul reaches this bleak conclusion. What a wretched man I am. All the good stuff that I meant to do, I don't do. And all the really bad things that I wish I didn't do, I keep doing. And so God, I'm a mess. And I don't know if there's anybody who can identify with that this morning. That after even years of being a Christian, that all the things you want to do, you struggle to do. And all the things that you know you shouldn't be doing, you somehow just keep doing them. And if you finish in Romans 7, you're left feeling worse than you did before you started reading the Bible. And like a complete failure, and most of us, as I say, know that about ourselves without having to read it in black and white. But then you read on into Romans chapter 8, and you discover Paul emphasizing, listen, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You're not condemned. That may be how you feel about yourself, but you're not condemned. You're a deeply loved child of God. You are an heir of God. You're a co-heir with Christ. And so he goes on. But how do you make sense of that? Was Paul confused about his identity? Did he change his mind? No. What we discover is a guy who had an honest God evaluation of himself. Yes, he's wretched because of his sin. But he's not condemned because of Jesus. And true humility is in the tension and in the balance between those two realities. Another way of looking at this is to remember that Jesus said, do you know, without me you can do nothing. Without me you can do absolutely nothing. And that keeps pride in check. Whereas the Bible also teaches that I can do all things through Christ. That keeps self-pity in check. We need to get that tension. One great Christian writer A.W. Tozer put it like this. A humble man is not a human mouse afflicted with his own sense of inferiority. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he's weak and helpless as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time he is in the sight of God more of more importance than the angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. Now that is seeing ourselves as God sees us 
And that leads to true humility. So please make sure you are clear or you're on a journey of discovering what God actually says about you based on his word, not listening to the many other voices that often put you down. Secondly, true humility comes from being more interested in others than self. It comes from having an others-centered orientation rather than a self-centered one. Humility acts to show another human being that they matter more than you do. Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Philippians 2, 3. Read it this morning already. And again, how difficult is that? You know, there's so many Bible verses I read and I go, yes, that, that's so true. I've got to consider others better. But how difficult is it? That's why we've got to seek after this. Because it's not natural. It's not natural to think of others as better than yourself at times. And that's why I've got to clothe myself with this. As much as when I get up in the mornings and I put on whatever I put on, I've also got to say, God, help me today to wear humility. Because it's not natural. I want to try to impress. I want to try to show that I'm maybe slightly better than the next person. Christian humility doesn't just happen. We affect it. In the New Testament Greek, it's expressed as much by an active verb as it is by a passive noun. We work at being humble by humbling ourselves. I'm going to think about you before I think about me. See, pride keeps me at the center of my world. Pride causes me to become blinkered to you and your needs. It's whenever you and I chat, pride causes me to tell you everything about me and who I am and about all my issues and my busyness. And it doesn't take time to listen to you or care that much, actually, about you. Humility, on the other hand, cares about your struggles. It loves to hear about your successes. Identifies with your pain rejoices in your achievements. William Law wrote, Let every day be a day of humility. Condescend to all the weaknesses and infirmities of your fellow creatures. Cover their frailties. Love their excellences. Encourage their virtues. Relieve their wants. Rejoice in their prosperities. Compassionate their distress. Receive their friendship. Overlook their unkindness. Forgive their malice. Be servants of servants. And condescend to the lowliest of offices, to the lowest of mankind. Do you know, if we could walk that out. And incidentally, by the way, some people said to me, David, see some of the, the quotes. Can, can I grab, if you do want to, me to give you some of these quotes, just drop me an email and I'll, I'll send them to you. But that is Christian humility. Humility looks up to others rather than down on them. It means that we don't gossip, we don't criticize, we don't judge, we don't talk behind people's backs. It means we are genuinely interested in others than we are in self. If we consider others better than ourselves, as Paul commands us to do, then we won't say anything, do anything to hurt, to damage, or to rubbish another person. That's why this is so countercultural. And that's why this heart condition is so important that as a church, and that as individual Christians, we reflect it. And I know it's tough, but then following Jesus is, because we've got to actually die to self. 
And maybe what we all need to do, and I know I need to do this, is we need to eat a few slices of humble pie this morning. And uh, as I prepared for this, I discovered where that phrase came from. Uh, And you've maybe heard this before, but it dates back to the time of William the Conqueror. Whenever the nobility were able to dine on the finest meat from a deer, whereas the servants had to eat a meat pie filled with the less desirable cuts of meat, the heart, the liver, the gizzard, and the intestines. And those parts of a deer were known as, apparently at that time, the umbles. And so a person who had to eat umble pie was in a position of inferiority. One who had to humble himself before his betters. A noble man would never stoop to consume humble pie. And the challenge that we often face today is, am I going to swallow my pride and grab a slice of humble pie? So, get a right understanding of how God sees you. Grab a slice of humble pie and become more interested in others than you are in yourself. But let me finish by looking at what seems to go alongside this process of humbling ourselves if we are to see God work. And this verse I'm going to show you, I believe, is a critical verse. And a sense that it possibly reflects the heart of many at Windsor. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And I remember someone saying this to me, nothing will hold God back if we can sort out the ifs. Nothing will hold God back if we can sort out the ifs. If my people, if we humble ourselves... If we pray, if we seek, if we confess our sin, then God will hear and God will forgive and God will heal. Nothing will hold him back. And what I want us to do as we finish this morning is is maybe finish slightly differently. Uh, And we're going to listen to a song. And the reason I would like to use this song is that I want to create space And I want to create a little bit of time for you to respond this morning. The song is called Humble King. Uh, I hope it's not a distracting song in any way. The words will be on the screen. But it says this, I want to be like you, Jesus, to have this heart in me. You're the God of the humble. You are the humble king. And if you're here this morning and that resonates, or some of what I've shared resonates with your heart, and you realize, you know something, I need I need to see the importance of this. I need to reflect a Christ-like heart. Or maybe I need to know what it means to humble myself. I need to pray. I need to seek God's face. I need to confess some stuff here this morning. Then use these, I think it's four minutes it runs for, to just be, just be.